You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? This is Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson on the WRAD Talk Network. Call us up there if you so desire. Text line 744-2990. A lot of folks, most folks, decide to reach out via text, and that's that's just fine. I get it. Doing us now on the program. Not in her usual spot of Miami, but traveling and still showing dedication to you, the listening audience. Marva in Miami, now in, I believe, Atlanta this morning. Marva, good morning. How are you, traveling gal? Good, good morning, Rick, from Atlanta, where it's 37 degrees. <laughs> I am not used to this. I am not prepared. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, welcome to our world a little bit. A little bit. But here we are. Well, first I of all. I'm wearing a little sweater as we speak. So. Oh, wow. You're doing the show with a sweater? That's news yeah. right there. Well, listen, first of all, I know you were traveling not for um, purposes of pleasure, right? You had a loss in your family, so I'm sorry to hear about that. Yes, my mother-in-law passed away, and some people on the show might remember my in-laws live in upstate New York, Mm -hmm. but home for both of them is in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we were in Tulsa uh, for my mother-in-law's memorial service over the weekend, and now we are making our way back to South Florida. We're in Atlanta right now. We'll be getting up and driving the rest of the way home later on today. So well, I, kind of uh, crazy uh, travel. I'm sorry to hear that. I really am. And I hope, uh, how's your uh, how's your husband doing? Is he doing okay? Well, yes, he's doing okay. You know, he has brother and sister, and and they're doing okay. They did a great job of uh, taking care of their mom during her illness. She had cancer, mm-hmm. and um, she uh, lived much longer with that than people were predicting. So, you know, it's just one of those things that touches so many families, and and uh, it has uh, touched ours now. So uh, that's what brought us here. And um, But, like I said, I, I think everybody is uh, doing okay and just in that more celebrating uh, her life. Yeah. Uh, right now. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, we appreciate you uh, still doing the program. I know you didn't get to watch a lot of the Carolina Duke game with everything that was going on with you. But, uh, you know, it was a battle. It was down at Duke. I mean, how, when you watch uh, your team play right now, Carolina being your team, I mean, what do you see as the biggest deficiencies? You know, because they still have all that talent, but there seems, I don't know, seems like there's something missing. There's something that's, there's something that's off, and I think we're realizing – how much the team 
relied on Brady Manick, who, of course, only had one year with uh, Carolina. He's gone, and he was replaced by Pete Nance. And Pete Nance is not the same kind of player that Brady Manick was. And I don't want to put this all on one player because it's never all on one player, but um, the shooting just isn't there. I think on Saturday night, I think he made, God, was it one shot out of 10, one out of 12? It was it was a really bad uh, percentage. And uh, he also has some issues on defense where he he's not really a post player. I mean, he wants to be out there shooting the threes. And when he is in the post, there, there are mistakes that are made a lot. So, um, you know, going back to Saturday's game, I was expecting to, and we were um, heading back to our hotel room, and I thought, oh, I'll catch a little bit of the pregame show mm-hmm. in the car. Not When you're in a different time zone, I was in central time zone, I got all confused. So instead, when I turned on the broadcast, I was listening to halftime, okay, because uh, it's just, you know, traveling and time differences and everything. So but when I tuned in, it was 33-32 Duke. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, it looks like this game is definitely winnable for Carolina. And by the time I got back to the hotel room, I got a chance to see the second half. And it was back and forth, a lot of lead changes. But then late in the game, Carolina went to a, just an awful scoring slump yeah. at the worst possible time. I mean, there were several open threes that were missed. Um, there were defensive assignments that got botched. Um, and then you just can't win that way. Um, and one of the worst things is Baycott didn't touch the ball for the last 12 minutes of the game. What's going on with that? Like, I don't I didn't mean he didn't that. score. Yeah. He, he did not touch the ball, Rick. Um, and that's just crazy. And Carolina cannot win that way. Now, for its part, Duke was playing solid defense to keep Carolina from getting the ball to Baycott. But that doesn't mean you abandon that. You no. have to keep trying. No. You have to keep going to it. Because he's either going to get he's going to get a shot, going to make it, or he's going to be fouled usually. Now, for again, for Duke's part, um, Derek Lively had a particularly good game. Yeah, he was um, good on the glass. He had 14 rebounds and 8 blocks. And he was, you know, he was dialed in on mission. Um, Duke was also playing a really physical game. And it didn't feel like Carolina was matching that. And even going back to uh, the, the Syracuse game, um, it's there's been a lot of of physicality that um, hasn't always been matched. And I noticed that it seems like R.J. Davis hasn't been the same. He took a really hard shot at Syracuse. And remember, he went out of the game. He took, like, I don't know if it was elbow to the head, really hard um, to the face area. He just seems like he hasn't been the same since that. So I don't know if something is just not quite right there. I know he had a slight re-injury to one of his hands. Um, it's just not the same. Um, and But neither team shot well, though. Both of them were under 40% for the game, which is really bad. I mean, um, but there were still two key differences. So Duke led UNC in terms of free throw shooting. They went to the line 15 times, while Carolina only went three times. Yeah, that's a big discrepancy, 15 to 3. But then again, like you said, they weren't getting the ball to the big guy, which makes right. no and sense so, yeah. to me. Makes no so, sense to me. Like Hubert Davis had complained about that discrepancy, but you know, not having seen the first half, I don't know. But when you're not 
playing aggressively and going to the rim, right, getting right. it to Baycott, you're not going to get as many free throws. So I'm not going to be one to complain about that. I know, say, after the Carolina-NC State game, a lot of play, people were complaining because Carolina went to the line yeah, a lot more. Yeah, they did. But that's they because did. Carolina was getting the ball into Baycott and also because the guards were driving to the basket and, and NC State was shooting a bunch of threes. And so when that happens, there's always going to be a discrepancy in the number of free throws. You think Maddox the other like- thing that there was – I was going to say, do you think Brady Maddock was like the glue to that whole thing? Do you think maybe that's they're missing that really, one guy? It kind of seemed like he was, which is weird being a transfer player, right? Yeah. He came yeah. in, but everybody just really embraced him, and he embraced Carolina. And I, I just don't know, like, what the answer is. You know, I know Carolina's a lot of questions after this loss and after the one-point loss to Pitt, which clearly could have been one. Um at home, that was the last home yeah, game. Yeah, right. But right. the other area I was going to say they had a big discrepancy was in fast break points. Duke outscored UNC twenty to two in transition, and that's just not Carolina basketball. Like you know, Carolina basketball is about you know scoring in transition, and just couldn't get it done in Durham. Um, you know, all of this led to Duke winning that game 63-57. to And I have to point out that is the first time the Blue Devils have beaten Carolina in the last three games. Correct. So I, I heard something kind of silly. I, I read a headline where um, Shire, the new coach for Duke, was saying, oh, this takes away some of the, the sting of last year. I think he's just <laughs> deluding himself Yeah. Uh, to yeah. say that because, you know, Carolina sent Coach K home not once but twice. Uh, with big L's, you know, big loss his last game at Cameron, big la- loss his last game yeah. coaching yeah. ever in the Final Four. So that, <laughs> that didn't, I didn't really buy that, but I guess he felt like he had to say that. Um, but you remember last year, Duke really took it to Carolina and beat Carolina at home by 20 points. And then after that, Carolina figured things out and went on a run. Now, you know, that could still happen this year. Um, the two teams are going to face each other again in a month. I know the guards for Carolina have said it's going to be a different outcome in Chapel Hill, and I think it probably will be. Um, Carolina plays much better at home, has only lost one game at home this season. That was that one-point loss to Pitt. Um, but still, just just a lot of things to figure out. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, a lot of people questioning Pete Nance. And I just hate to put it on one one kid. Um, but I know there have been some issues, and, you know, maybe they'll make some lineup changes. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, he's, there, there have been some definite issues there. Well, I think you hit on it. I, I don't see any toughness whatsoever. I, and I think a lot of it, I go back to the early part, and David Till agrees. I, I think they got paid. I'm not, you know, everybody's getting paid, but I'm just saying they got paid, mm-hmm. and I don't think they're looking at it the same way that they did last year when they kind of swelled up and, and, and decided to be that team in the postseason. I, I just – I don't know. To me, they look like a satisfied group of guys. There are a lot of smile. They're down in that game late, and I see Baycott grinning over at Davis and smiling, and I'm like, wow, that's just – that's not a good look. It's just not a good look. No, and I just don't know. I mean, I know I hear people talking about getting paid, but I could see that more if Carolina was the only team getting paid, like – all, everybody's getting paid now, you know. If you're good, you're going to get paid. Um, I don't know that it's just it's getting paid. If there's something that's going on, and I don't know what it is. You know, I, a lot of 
I'm on a lot of these fan boards and Carolina fans, and it's it's really frustrating for me to be on them because after every loss, it's well Hubert Davis can't coach. After every win, it's they're on their way back to the championship game. <laughs> like both things can't be true. True, very you know? very true, very true. Well, so I, I I don't know what's happening, but I do still <laughs> think there is still time to figure it out. But it, it, it's a hard road ahead. Because they're going to be playing the top teams in the conference coming up. Uh, have Wake Forest tomorrow night, and um, I believe that game is on the road. Let's double check that. But just have to really get dialed in. Um, there's still a chance to do some good things, uh, but really do have to get dialed in. And I just don't, you know, we'll see. I, I definitely believe it can happen. You know, I'm always optimistic. Uh, but it's it's going to take you know everybody being dialed in, everybody on the same page, everybody just you know getting really committed and 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 showing uh, some toughness. Um, you know, if, if if these other teams are going to play like that, you know, we Carolina has to play like that too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Can't let people we'll just see. run over you and and, and beat you know. I'm not saying for anybody to do anything dirty. Definitely, I'll never call for that. <laughs> well, but no, I mean, no. But they are kind of soft. They are a little soft right now. I'll just say that. They're a little bit soft right now. We'll see. We'll see how they do. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. What do you about uh, the we, we got a week now. We'll get to talk to you beforehand. Who you got in the big uh, that big football game coming up this coming Sunday? Well, you know, initially I had said the game was going to be between um, Dallas and Kansas City. Oh, yeah. Of course, that didn't go so well. <laughs> no, I, did I feel like I have to say now, I kind of picked that because of, you know, my family situation. I understand, yes. yes. You know, Supporting your husband. I, I picked I get that. It. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yeah, that didn't work out. So I still have one team left in there, Kansas City, and I'm still going to go with them. I think Kansas City's going to win. I think it's going to be a close one yeah. due to Patrick Mahomes and not being 100% due to some other key players for Kansas City not being 100%. It's going to be close. But I do think Kansas City is going to come with, off with the win because of the experience. There's something to be said for having been there before. Yeah, and they're wearing um, the white jerseys. I, I, the white jerseys have been good in the Super Bowl. I saw something like 75 or 80 percent of the last uh, 15 Super Bowls have been won by the team with the white jersey. So they got that going for them too. Yeah, so I think they're going to win. I think uh, Jalen Hurts though is also. I think he's going to look good. I hope he's healthy. Um, I don't yeah. Think he's, yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's going to have anything to like hang his head about, but I just think that the Chiefs are a little bit stronger. I think that that experience of having been there before, um, you know, been there uh, more than once, won and lost there, that they are going to be ready and that they're going to win. Well, listen, I appreciate you again taking the time. I know it's not easy without much sleep and really kind of not probably being uh, in the mood to do this. So thank you so much, my dear for coming on with us. Oh, but I, I, I'm here for you, Rick. I'm nah, here. I appreciate that. You know? <laughs> and you had the tough weekend with Carolina. Uh, I get it, you know, yeah. so, but I do appreciate Thanks that. Thanks for bringing that up again, yeah. I will never, ever question your loyalty to the program. I will never. Thank you. <laughs> In all seriousness, please give my best to uh, your hubby and your fam, and I hope you guys have a safe trip back to uh, as you go further south a little bit later on today. Yes, Further south where it's a lot warmer. Yes. We'll do. Thanks, yes. Rick. All right. Stay safe. There you go. That's Ms. Marva okay. joining us on the program. Pre- appreciate Marva for taking the time. Tough time for her. And we're thinking about her and her fam uh, during this time. It is 21 minutes past the hour. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Hope you're okay. Sun is uh, not out, but dawn has arisen. 
It's not uh, not horrible out there, weather-wise. More coming up. Lots of text messages flying in. You can always send one in, 744-2990. Stay with us. Here on a Monday. We've heard the other guys, and frankly, we've heard enough. Now shut that door and get the hell out of here. The grown-ups are talking, so sit down and listen. Yeah, that's right. Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson returns next on the WRAD Talk Network. Twenty-six minutes after the hour. One of the good things about the off week when you don't have the uh, Super Bowl uh, NFL Network re-airs all of the original highlight packages from all the Super Bowls, and it's so cool to go back and get John Facenda the great John Facenda and all that wonderful music and those camera angles. And I always record a lot of the early ones. I like to go back and watch. I don't really record the later ones as much because they're still fresh on the mind. And it's just not the same without him and, and what NFL films has done since uh, Steve Sable passed away. They don't really do it the same way, but, that is cool to go back and relive those moments of those games, whichever Super Bowl you're talking about. You know, the Packers, the first two triumphs, Joe Namath putting the finger in the air, running off the field, the 18-and-a-half-point underdogs beating the mighty Colts. or Man, the, the Super Bowl four with Hank Stram and, and uh, meticulating the ball down the field, the first time a coach was ever mic'd up. And basically, Facinda gives way in that entire – capsule to just a Hank Stram sideline reaction talking to the players the play calls him laughing when everything worked and they beat the heavily favored Vikings it's just man it's just good stuff that was nice to have that um, to go back and watch this weekend that was a lot of fun and uh, I think that, I don't know if they'll do it again or not I think it ended last night throughout the morning today I don't know if they re-air them again they may I mean, they may do it all over again. I would. I'd do it as we get a little bit closer, right? I mean, why not? Draw up some interest for the game. Uh, the Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I've been fortunate so far, been able to avoid any of the hype, trying to stay away from any of the pre, <laughs> pre-week, uh, pre-game hype. Don't want to hear about it. Don't want to get into any of the, you know, any of this stuff. Uh, Philly right now, one and a half point favorites, so it's going to be basically a pick em. Um But yeah, I'm just trying to avoid everything about the Super Bowl until you line up and kick it off, right? Don't want to see any of it. Hopefully there'll be a good anthem. But let's just get the game going at this point and get into the offseason. And hopefully it'll be a game without any entanglements caused by the NFL just god-awful officiating that continues to go unchecked 
by Roger Goodell and the owners. I don't know how much longer that'll go on, but when everything else in the game is so much better and that one area continues to get worse, well, you can kind of pinpoint where the problems lie. And hopefully it won't come into play next week. All right, so we're going to come back after the bottom of the hour. We're halfway home on a Monday. Tim Thomas in about an hour plus from the Tech Lunch Pail. We'll go back and relive more of uh, his thoughts about the Tech win over Virginia on the hardwood. Any recruiting tidbits? <laughs> I did see a little bit about this. Wayne sent in a, uh, a text message on the line about the sideline reporter. Chipper Jones was there at the game, and for some reason she thought – he was a Virginia Tech grad. We'll get into that a little bit when we come back, too. Stay with us. minutes for the top of the hour. 639-4900, text line 744-2990. Thanks to Marva for joining us. Coming up, Tim Thomas in about an hour. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Agreed, Grandmaster Vlad. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. All right, so coming out of the tech win against Virginia which we've broken down for you, and I've given you my thoughts. Did that in the first hour. We'll talk a little bit more about it with Tim. Two really interesting things happened post-social media, mainly Twitter reaction. One, first of all, the good part. The good part was Mike Burnup's 40th year was officially celebrated, and there was an honor for him um, during the game. They presented him with the number 40 for his 40th year broadcasting. Now, he hasn't been on the basketball end of things all 40 years. He has on football. I have to ask him tomorrow how many years he's done hoops. But that was a great moment. All these messages, Coach Pry also sent a message, you know, for Mike and all these people. Um, it was really, really cool. I mean, it was Bruce Arians. I mean, it was really nice. And nobody deserves that honor more than Mike. I mean, he is <laughs> – Along, I believe, with Bill Roth on the football broadcast, I mean, Mike Burnup is kind of, to be honest, he's kind of like the face of that entire athletic department, isn't he? Mike Burnup, because he's just been around. And he's represented it so well. It's really cool. First of all, that was cool. So congrats to Mike on officially uh, being honored and recognized. That was awesome. Just awesome. And then the other part is what Wayne pointed out. <laughs> and I didn't really know because, you know, I'm getting back from the Radford game. And to be honest, I was pretty down about the, um, the tragic loss of uh, Cameron Jones, a Radford basketball, who'd gotten killed earlier in the day. Um, so I wasn't really in the mood to peruse around anything. You know, I got home and I was just kind of thinking about the moments with Cam, post-game interviews, pre, you know, whatever it may have been. And, and I started to see things about 
this sideline reporter, and the game was shockingly on ESPN too, so I'm not surprised. Imagine that, someone from ESPN not doing their research or really absolutely horrible at their job. So Chipper Jones was there. Um, the Atlanta Braves, great. And boy, he was a great, just a great player, wasn't he? Chipper Jones, my goodness. Never was a Braves fan, but Chipper Jones, just unbelievable. Any event, he's there, and apparently, I didn't see it. Maybe somebody can put it into context. She was trying to allude to the fact that Chipper Jones was there because he was a Virginia Tech alum and had played baseball there. Is that is that accurate? <laughs> And apparently, to his credit, you know, he, he kind of tried to lead her away from that by just saying, hey, I don't get to Blacksburg very often at all, and trying to be diplomatic about it, but yet she still kept trying to connect those dots that he was actually a Virginia Tech alum. And I know on the surface it's pretty funny, right? It is. It's not surprising at all given that network in the kind of folks that they hire, I'm not surprised. I really am not. I don't know how in the world, though, like, for instance, just think about it from the perspective that she went into that. For one, she never researched it because all she would have had to have do, done is just type in Shipper Jones played at Virginia Tech, which would have been false, and she would have gotten no information showing that he was linked in any way, shape, or form to Blacksburg, right? All it would have taken was a maybe two-minute Google search. So clearly, she didn't do any research on her own. Did she just get... Is this? I wonder if somebody pranked her. You think somebody pranked her and said, hey, Chipper's there. You should talk to him about his days at Virginia Tech, and she just went with it? Wouldn't you think that would have to be the case? Because what put in her mind that he had worn the orange and maroon. Like, how did that get into her head? Because she didn't research it to find out it wasn't true, so therefore she's not researching it, getting information, because there's none available that has any info on him actually being part of Virginia Tech, right? You can't just make that up because there was never a connection made. Yes, there's a lot of false information out there, but not when things don't align. So the only thing I can think of is someone else above her, which is even scarier, maybe a producer, an associate producer, I don't know, had to have mentioned to her, hey, you should talk about him since he was a Virginia Tech player. You should talk about those days, right? She clearly had no idea, no idea. And it's funny, but at the same time, it's very frustrating. Because it's more of a a humorous and it's a sports-related thing, so it's a little bit more lighthearted. But it just goes to show you where we are today with these alleged journalists and these younger professionals coming into the workplace, and they don't do any research whatsoever. They don't do anything. They know very little about the games in which they even cover. And I don't know who the sideline reporter was, 
but it just speaks of a bigger problem that's going on. Right now, it's, um, you know, the media in this country, the national media in this country is, is the worst that it's ever been. I mean, they are an enemy of the people. The, the media has become an enemy of the people. And <laughs> how you can stand there and, and make that connection and then not understand when Chipper's trying to be the guy that he is and say, well, no, you know, and do, and yet you still are running with it. I just, it's, it's amazing to me. How do these people get jobs first and foremost? And is there any kind of accountability, any consequences? We always talk about this with officiating and there's no accountability. Like, did anybody bother from the network to say, you know, that was a bad look? You got to do your. It's, it's not gonna. It's not bad to call somebody out for not doing their job. I think that's where we are. Maybe with a certain generation. Maybe it's the millennial generation. I don't know. But whatever it may be, that's a horrible look. But the network doesn't care about any of that. They stopped caring about a lot of what they used to stand for many years ago. As a matter of fact, I think it coincided with Disney purchasing ABC and ESPN and all of its properties. It's all gone completely in the toilet, just like everything else at Disney. All right. Um, But I don't know how you can do that. Because I always put myself in that situation. If I'm interviewing somebody from another school, a different coach, whatever it may be. We had this happen in the Big South when Carleek Jones was a sophomore, I think it was a sophomore year. He was starting to really rise to the scene as being, okay, this is a special, special dude. And uh, we were at, I won't mention the school, we were at an opposing venue. And I'm sitting there, you know, doing the radio broadcast, and they had the home ESPN Plus broadcast. And I'm getting texts. My phone's blowing up. I'm about, I don't know, 10 minutes into my pregame. And I get these texts. And I'm getting, the guys, on the Presbyterian guys are saying that Carly Jones and Mike Jones are father and son. They're talking about how Carly Jones is Mike, John, Mike Jones' oldest son. And I'm going, What? And so I'm answering some of these texts because at that point we were in our recorded coaches interviews. And so I'm not live on the air and I'm getting these responses. Yeah, they just went into this and one guy told a story about something that Coach Jones said about Carleek and how much of a joy it was that he was coaching his son. And I'm thinking, wow. (laughs) So this made me very angry. Because I, I sometimes I know it might be uh, it might be unfair to put it on me, but sometimes I have a pretty, pretty stout temperament. <laughs> so I went over and I and I noticed they were in a break, and I said, "Guys, excuse me, uh, I've just got all these texts, and people are pretty angry at Radford. Are you guys on the air saying that Carly Jones and Mike Jones are father and son?" And the guy looked at me and he's like. Are they not? I swear that's what he said. I said, no, they're not. So what did you do? Did you just completely make that up? Because I know you didn't look that up anywhere. 
kind of like what I'm saying about this sideline reporter. They're not related in any way, shape, or form. Does everybody with the same last name have to be related? And I'm standing there, and I'm just steaming. I'm just feuding. I said, how do you disrespect Radford, first and foremost, and Mike Jones and Carleek by making up this story and running with it? What are you doing? So I said some uh, some words that I won't repeat on the air, and I said it was the most unprofessional uh, setup I've ever seen. And then apparently when they went on the very next segment, they retracted all the information they had put forth about Mike and Carleek being father and son. And I'm just, oh, I'm just seething over it. I mean, so this is what I'm talking about. Like, you're just making something up, hoping nobody's going to notice or make a big deal out of it. I think that's kind of pretty much what journalism is today, right? Just, how is she standing there saying Chipper Jones went to Virginia Tech? Like, what was going through the, the thought process? And I think about how hard I work to try to get everything right. And if I'm not sure about a fact, I just don't talk about it. <laughs> you know, if I think I know something and I don't really have time in that moment to confirm it, I'm not going to sit there and try to build the point because I just don't. <sighs> Wayne says, yes, Rick Watson also worked with Sherlock Holmes. That's right. Watson in the Sherlock Holmes, that's right, my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Because clearly it has to be the case, Wayne, because we have the last name. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, I knew the listeners would run with this. I'm going to give an example. When LSU came to Virginia Tech, this was back the first run of the show. When was that? 2004? Somebody? 2005? Tech won the game over LSU. Nick Saban was the head football coach. And at that time, it was a different era, right? Nowadays, it's so hard to get opposing coaches to do much of anything. But I would try to have the opposing coach on that week along with Coach Beamer at some point, and we would air the interview. So I call LSU, and at this point, you know, Nick Saban, we know how he is. and I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's arguably the greatest college football coach ever. All right, I'm not going to sit here. But he is very demanding, and he's very Bill Belichick-esque coming from that tree. So I call the LSU guy, and a lot of these SIDs are scared to death of their coaches. I mean, they just are just absolutely walking around trembling most days. And the guy I got had been there for a while, so he was like, um, yeah, I don't think he'll do it, but let me talk to him and I'll get back to you. I'm thinking, oh, well, we gave it a shot. Well, sure enough, later on that afternoon, uh, the show then used to be uh, in the afternoon. First it was 4 to 7, then 3 to 6. So this is probably, I don't know, about 2 o'clock our time. And I don't know if it's the same time down in uh, down in Baton Rouge or not because I'm very confused about time zones down in that area. Um, I get a call back. Yeah, coach said he'd do it. Uh, listen, um, he's only going to give you like five minutes. He doesn't want, you know, he's not big on these things. He's going to do it because, you know, you are the Blacksburg station. And Okay, whatever. Well, I never accept that from an SID. Like, for instance, 
if I get on there with the coach pre-interview and he says, hey, I don't have much time, can you just ask me? Then I'll respect that and say, look, I understand you got to go to a meeting, blah, blah, blah. But when an SID tells me I only have a few minutes, okay, just because you don't want me to talk to him that long, I'll see how it goes. So I get into it with Coach Saban. And, you know, he's talking about his team. And then we get into Coach Beamer and he starts, you know, glowing about how much respect he had for Frank Beamer, Bud Foster in particular, because, you know, Nick Saban's a defensive guy. And he started talking about the philosophies that he had and Bud had. It was great. And then I started to bring up his history coming up through the ranks, the coaches he had worked for, some quotes that I knew he had said that were attributed to him from these stops and what his goal was, right? So we're into the interview, and I realize, oh, my goodness, we're approaching 10 minutes, Nobody has said anything. Nick Saban had not at any point had acted like he wanted to get off the phone. As a matter of fact, he stopped the interview. He's talking about his past. He goes, wow. He goes, let me just say this. He goes, this is the first time you and I ever talk. It's really nice to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, who knows my background. He said that during the interview, and that's one of the biggest compliments I ever had. So I know it sounds like I'm really patting myself on the shoulder, but what I'm saying is I was much younger then than I am now. And even then, I wasn't just showing up going, so Nick Saban, you know, assuming that he had these relationships or these thoughts. No, you know, I took a few hours and I was reading some articles and I wanted to kind of get his thoughts just in case we got him, and we did. So we ended up having him for almost 15 minutes. And then, you know, he hangs up, and then the LSU SID, I can't remember his name, calls me back. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Now I'm going to get, wow, you kept him on there. He just said, hey, look, uh, Coach wanted me to call you and tell you how much he enjoyed the conversation. And he, he just keeps talking about all the stuff you knew about him and, and, and everything and being at LSU. And I said, thank you. And I don't need anything else than that. It just made me feel really good that somebody like that, and he wouldn't remember the conversation. Now I'm sure. Maybe he would. Maybe he's ever through Blacksburg. I was on a radio station there once. I don't know. Hell, I don't remember what happened last Tuesday, much less what happened, you know, 15, 17 years ago, 20 years ago almost. But it's just a different mentality then and now. Take the time to get it right. But I guarantee you, she doesn't care. She's probably laughed it off. I'm sure he has been. Disney. (laughs) We haven't been accurate now for almost 20 years. Why should we care now? (laughs) Hey, I tell you what. Don't worry about that report. Let's just put up another Duke Carolina promo for the game later. Yeah, let's just do that. We'll be back. Wrap up hour two. Getting your day started correctly with the finest sports talk known to all mankind. Pretty good. It's pretty, 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 pretty good. Big Dog Sports Talk returns next on WRAD. So that game was 2002. I knew it was early 2000s. Can't remember the year. And Tech put a hurt 
on the Bayou Tigers in that game. All right, wrapping up uh, hour number two. Tom said, did you watch the Grammys? Uh, Tom, please. Really? Really? No. No. No, I did not. Nor do I care to ever watch anything like that ever again. I did not watch the Grammys. (laughs) Why, Why would anyone watch the Grammys? I'm sure it was... One of the worst things that anyone can imagine. <laughs> I mean, it had to be, right? <sighs> Wanting to get across more of the message. No, no, I, I was not tuned in. Uh, couldn't even tell you who won. Don't care. We'll never care ever again. All right. Hour two's in the books. Hour three coming up. Tim Thomas at 835 as well. Don't forget, Tech women tonight, a big game on the road in Raleigh against NC State. Louise Baker will be in studio on Wednesday. She's going to be giving away tickets for the last two women's home basketball games. So, there you go. More coming up, Hour 3, Power Hour.